and follow along. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain, Wherefore the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the Inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Enochims, and the land had rest from war. I want you to, you, there's several things you could high, we could highlight here, and we'll, we will do so throughout the message this morning. Uh, but really the theme of my message today in verse 12 is Caleb's request. He says, give me this mountain. Our Father, today as we come together, Lord, we appreciate the singing. We appreciate in a little while the giving. We appreciate the fellowship, uh, the smiles on people's faces, the handshakes. We appreciate the praying. Uh, Lord, as we gather together this morning and, and, and committed this day unto you. Father, we appreciate so much about the opportunity that we have to come together. And Lord, now we get to the time where we open up your word and you manifest your truth to everyone. Lord, I understand the responsibility that I have today. And I ask you, God, to help me to be better than myself. Help me to preach your truth, preach your word. Help people to see Jesus. Help them to see their walk with you and the need that surrounds them. God, you accomplish today. May you accomplish today. 
that which needs to be done. We trust you with that. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. We celebrate on this particular weekend, especially tomorrow, the day has been set aside as Memorial Day in our country. It is a time that we remember the sacrifice and the lives that were lost that are given for the freedom of our great nation. The Bible itself often presents memorials of individuals who served the Lord our God. And Caleb is one of those individuals. Last week, my focus was encouraging our graduates to determine in their heart to walk with God. It didn't matter the culture that they're going to be living in or, or how the, the background from which they come from. Every one of us can make a decision in our heart that we're going to walk with the Lord. And for our graduates... It's a new chapter of their life. They're becoming adults. They're taking a new step. But this morning, we're focusing on one who's been around for a little while. We was first introduced to him in Numbers chapter 13. as Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. We don't know anything about his dad other than he raised a young man. He raised a man who had a heart for the things of God. He was 40 years old when God sent him the first time over into the promised land to check it all out. And now when we come to him here in Joshua chapter 14, he's 85 years old and he's still ready to serve God. This is where all of our senior saints say amen. God's not through with you yet. He's not through with you yet. What kind of life do you want to live? Where do you want your life to end up? What is it that's going to be said about your life? Caleb and Joshua are the oldest two living men in the nation of Israel. And the reason we know that is because all of the other adults around their age or older, above the age of 20, perished in the wilderness because they refused to follow and believe God. That is how their lives are remembered. Their lives are remembered as one who was blessed by God, led by God, but at some point, they chose to go their own way and not trust Him. Is that how you want your life to be remembered? And can I say this morning that there are a lot of greater people who have done more for the cause of Christ and for the faith who at some point in their life 
chose to not walk with them anymore. That could be any of us sitting in this auditorium this morning. We have to decide in our heart today. And Miss Sherry, you're going to have to decide in your heart tomorrow. And we're going to have to determine in our heart that I'm not going to be ruled by this flesh and I'm not going to be I'm not going to be manipulated by the culture in which I live. I am going to choose today to give every part of myself to follow a great God. Caleb did not make it because he was halfway in. He did not make it because he was a Sunday morning believer. Three times we just read in the scripture, he made it because he wholly followed God. Everything about Caleb was about his relationship with God Almighty. And because we're dealing with him this morning, I'm going to highlight some things. But Ricky, let's make no mistake about it. The hero of the book of Joshua is not Joshua. And it is not Caleb. The hero is always God himself. We just have an opportunity in our generation, in the day in which we live, to leave a mark for the cause of Christ. Caleb is an example of a man who can live a life for Christ despite the culture around him. I was reminded of a way of thinking this week. Someone was complaining about everything. And his response to that was, we... We are able to make a change at the polls. And so he was looking forward to that day. And there is some truth to that. I'm not saying it's not, there's not some truth to that. But somewhere along the way, the church has decided that our government is going to determine the peace and happiness in which we live. The opportunity to make a change is greater than election day. The opportunity to make a change is every time we share the gospel and hope of Jesus Christ and share his word. And that should be the goal of every believer. Let me say that again. That should be the goal of every believer. That should be the passion of every person who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. We can make an impact in our neighborhood. We can make an impact in our community. We can make an impact in the world that is around us through our missionaries. We can make an impact that is far greater than what our government can do for us. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ and nothing less. Caleb
Caleb understood that. Daniel understood that. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself before God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood that because it didn't matter what they faced. When everyone else bowed around them, when their friends and, and, and individuals who they knew suddenly bowed down to an image and worshipped it, they still stood no matter what it cost them. And what this generation needs today is people who are willing to take a stand and people who are willing to proclaim truth. Caleb had a reputation, beginning in verse number 6. It says, The children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Judah... Uh, Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee, you, me and you, Joshua and Kadesh Barnea. He talks about, he's looking back when he was 40 years old, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent them to spy out the land. And the Bible says that he brought him word again as it was in his heart. But his brethren that went up with him, in verse 8, made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses testified in verse 9 that he was one who wholly followed the Lord God. Caleb and Joshua, listen to me. Caleb and Joshua, when they went in the land, they saw the same thing all twelve saw. They saw the highly fenced cities. They, they saw the giants. They saw the good of the land. But Caleb and Joshua saw, even though they saw the challenges as the others saw, they saw them through the lens of faith and the promises of God to whom giants are nothing. Hold your place in Joshua and turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. It's to your left, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book found in your Bible. I'm not going to read all of chapter 13. The list of the 12 is mentioned in the first part of the chapter. You'll see the words of the tribe, and it mentions them by name. Joshua there is called Oshea. And they were sent over into the promised land to come back with a report. And they found, and if you look in verse 23, when they came to the brook of Eshcol, and they cut down a branch of one cluster of grapes. Two, it, it, it took two of them to bear that cluster upon a staff, and they brought the pomegranates and the figs. They, the place was called the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And in verse 27, they, they told Moses, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. But in verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. 
And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwelt by the sea in the coasts of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched on the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Blake, they come back with a report, and they said, listen, here are the blessings of God. The land is everything that God described it to be. And it is the land, what they chose to left out, leave out there, Ricky, is that it was a land that God said, I'm going to give to you. And they said, this is the land that God that God has brought us to. And here are all the blessings of it. But, but let us understand, there's also giants there. And there are also big problems there. And Caleb said, Caleb stands up among the people and says, don't worry about it. Let's get up and go. Because it... It may be that God will work for us and fight for us and give us the land. And the people say, we cannot go. We will die. Caleb says, I gave them what was in my heart. And the other ten gave them what was in their heart. What does your heart say? You know, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A heart that is filled with faith says, Let's go. A heart that is filled with fear says, No way. What does your heart say? In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, the Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What does your heart say? Caleb says, and Joshua says, I know there's giants, and I know it's going to be, I, nobody said it was going to be easy. But God is with us, and we can't overcome. The other ten say, we cannot overcome. We're just grasshoppers. What you're asking us to do is way too big for us. We cannot do that. What does your heart say? In Psalm chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, Paul writes that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What does your heart say? Because any person who rejects Jesus Christ rejects God. And the Bible says you're a fool. 
But every person who trusts Jesus Christ, that he has the power to raise him from the dead, the Bible says you can be saved. And if God has the power to raise the dead back to life, do you not think he has the power to beat your giant? What does your heart say? Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse number 1. He's preparing them because of the coming cross. And he's about to leave them. And he said in the beginning of that chapter, let not your heart be troubled. And yet we are troubled by so many things. He says, Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Why are you so troubled? I know that there are times in my life, and I'll confess this to you, there are times in my life where I bring myself down. And I allow those thoughts to enter my head, you can't. Who do you think you are? You're a fool to think you can do that. Am I the only one? I can allow those thoughts to creep in, and what happens every time is my faith begins to fail. And I start looking at myself, and if I'm not careful, and sometimes I'll get to this point, I'll just say, God, I can't. And I won't. And God doesn't give up on me. And he'll eventually, he'll come back to me and he begin to work in my heart. And he always reminds me of this, BJ. He always reminds me that he never said that I could. He said that he could. And I'll start getting my heart right, and I'll start focusing on the Lord a little bit. And, and I'll get a desire in my heart, you know, it just might be. It just might be that we don't fail in this. And it just might be, if we go through with it, that God can get great glory with it. And that many souls can be saved. Can I get an amen? That people's life can be changed. Their life will not be changed if I just sit at the house. And say, I can't. But God may be able to do something big if I say, let's get up and go. And let's just see what God will do with it. Turn your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 1. I want you to see something here. Moses is, he's reminding the children of Israel, what took place in Numbers 13. You got Numbers and then Deuteronomy. Next book in your Bible. Look there in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let's look at verse 25. They, they, went, to, they went to the valley of Eshcol, searched it out, verse 24. And they took of the fruit of the land... In their hands, they brought it down to us, 
And they brought us word again, Moses is saying, it is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Can I tell you something? Everybody can see the good. All right? Let me be real with you for just a moment. Everybody can see that the gospel saves. Can I get an amen? Are you out there? Everybody can see that people need to get saved. Right? Everybody, at least in this room I hope, believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We recognize that. It is easy to see something that is good. They saw the good of the land. But notice their response in verse 26. Notwithstanding, you would not go, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. You saw the good of the land. You recognize this. The hope for everybody is Jesus Christ. When's the last time you told somebody about him? When's the last time you stopped and had a conversation with someone concerning Jesus Christ and their need for a Savior and you presented the gospel? When is the last time? It is easy for everyone to say, oh, I see the good in that. And it is easy for us to praise the Lord. Ten people got saved this week in jail ministry. That's easy. And everybody can recognize the good part of it. But Moses said, but you didn't go. You saw it was good, but you didn't go. And by not going, you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. What I want us to recognize this morning, all right? And I'm just about done. What I want us to recognize, Mike, is this. The hope for the world in which we live in is a group of people who will say, I'm not going to lose my faith just because everybody says it can't be done. I'm going to go and I'm going to reach my generation for Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other hope for anyone else. I can get with everyone else, and I can complain about politics, and government, and gas prices, and food prices, and I can find a thousand reasons of why we can't, and I can come up with a number of reasons, and we can fellowship around that fire, and talk about all the things that are wrong, or we can make a decision, I'm going to go because it just might be that God fights for us. That's what I want to inspire us and encourage us to do today. The local church has decided to let everything else change our world except for the one thing that God has given us 
to go and impact it with. To the point that some, verse 27, begin to murmur and begin to whine and say, that preacher's crazy. Moses is crazy. Caleb, don't listen to that lunatic. He's crazy. He's going to get us all killed. And to those people, we, we look over their life and we say, they wasted, they wasted, they wasted. God had something big to do. And they said, I can't. It's always going to be hard. It's never going to be easy, and there's always places for excuse. But the people who affect their culture is a people who say, We're going forward. And we're going to see what God will do. That's by our heads. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a decision that we make. It's a decision. We recognize that we are sinners. We recognize that we fall short of God's holiness and God's righteousness. And we realize as sinners that we can't get to heaven on our own. We never do well enough. We can never receive God's approval on our, based on our own merit. We're sinners. But salvation is understanding that even in spite of your sin, God loves you. And he places the expectation of right, perfect righteousness and perfect holiness upon his son who paid for our sin debt on the cross. So how do you get saved? You get saved by making a decision 
I'm going to accept Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I want God to save me. I want God to forgive me. I want to have peace with God and have His blessing upon my life. I wonder this morning if anyone would be honest with me. Say, preacher, I, I don't know Jesus is my Savior. If I died today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. But I'm listening to you, and I want you to pray for me. Would you be willing to admit that this morning? Just testimony of a raised hand. Would you lift that high up today? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. The lower floor. Right there at your seat this morning, you can make a decision. And I want to encourage you to talk to God. And just admit to Him your guilt. God, I'm guilty. I am a sinner. I don't deserve you and I don't deserve heaven. Admit to him your need for a changed life. You, you don't want to live in the same sinful lifestyle that you've lived in. 